0: morning church. I hope you're all enjoying your morning. Um, Today's Bible verse is from Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience receives a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard while god also bore witness by signs and wonders in various miracles and by gifts of the holy spirit distributed according to his will thanks rach for reading the word for us this morning and uh good morning everyone and uh, it's gro- good to be back back in this space uh, being able to preach uh, it's a little bit different once again to be able to stand in front of a few people and and uh, talk and preach but I'm excited about this morning I'm excited to um, be able to share and I just want to um yeah just thank you as well just for um, people who have messaged and called me throughout the week it's obviously been a bit of a, a mixed emotional journey but um, yeah I'm excited for where God is leading and I'm super grateful for this church family and the uh, privilege it is to be a part of it and um, that continues this morning, and, and really that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on God's Word and focus on, I guess, the heart of this, this whole thing. You know, and I guess invite us to come back to that. Um, we've got lots of different things going on in our worlds and in our lives. And I know for me, just over the last number of weeks, just seeing just the, you know, it's there's so many different things happening, I'm trying to spin a lot of different plates. Um, But God has just been calling me back to the heart of it all. To be in a relationship with Him where, you know, the purpose of it, you know, I've been thinking, what's the purpose of all of it? What's what's all this for? And, you know, come back to the classic question and answer in the Westminster Catechism written in 1648. They open up, you know, they've got hundreds, they've got a hundred or so questions and answers trying to summarize the faith and it starts out with this, what is the chief end of man? What is is our purpose? What is all of this for? And it says to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is our purpose. That is why we exist. That is what we will do for eternity. And that's what we're called to do here on earth, to be in a relationship with God, where we glorify him and enjoy him forever. And so essentially this morning, that's what we're going to focus on. That's what we want to come back to. That's what I believe God has put on my heart to share that we would come back to that. That would focus again on that. Because we have a danger of drifting. So we're going to look at Hebrews this morning. And if you don't know about Hebrews, um, it's a pretty mysterious book. We don't know who wrote it. Uh, we don't know who it's addressed to. Unlike Paul's letters, there's no like, you know, introduction you know, I'm Paul and I'm writing to the Philippians, I'm writing to, like, there's nothing like that. We don't know who wrote it, we don't know who received it, um, or what situation that they were in. But from the content of the letter, we get a bit of a glimpse of um, who likely it could be. You know, the letter is full of Old Testament quotes, it's full of um, symbolism and referring to the Jewish practices. So more than likely, The audience were Jewish Christians, and the author was someone very accustomed to all of that. Additionally, if that was the case, then most likely these people were either under physical persecution, you know, they were under threat of their lives, or they were uh, at risk of being deceived by false teaching and gospel distortion. Just through our knowledge of the New Testament and church history, those are the things that were going on for Jewish Christians at the time. And so chapter 1 of Hebrews starts out with this long introduction of who Jesus is. And then it quotes a number of Old Testament scriptures. And then we get to chapter 2, which Rachel read and which we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on just the first verse where the author is not worried about physical persecution. He's not worried that they're going to turn away from their faith under torture or threat. He's also not worried about Um, Than being deceived by false teaching but he simply says the danger here is the danger of drifting let's just have a read again of verse one therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it and so that's my first point this morning the danger of drifting we all know the danger drifting and I'm you know I'm not talking about the fast and the furious kind of drifting although I'm sure that's dangerous too but it's this danger of aimlessly subtly floating away to our ruin the Greek word that's used here for drift away is used nowhere else in the Bible Um, but throughout Greek literature it is used and it describes a boat that sort of floats away aimlessly but it can also describe a faulty jar which, you know, without noticing it has a leak and the water slowly leaks away. Or the example that probably most uh, hits me is a ring which gradually loses its shape. Gets more and more loose and then one day falls off. You know, a couple of weeks ago of course I got engaged and uh, I'm not sure if you know that but I'm pretty excited and uh we went to darwin to pick up this ring and it was too small so the guy resized it on the spot he was super helpful um but then i just got really nervous and um because i thought oh my gosh it's going to get too loose now like we've been on a flight maybe joe's ring joe's fingers it might be a bit more like swollen or something because of the air and now the ring's going to be too small it's going to lose shape it's going to fall off you know she's working she's a bit. Uh, loses things just naturally, time to time. So i I was stressing out. I kept looking over, her, looking at Joe's hand. I'm like, you sure it's okay? Like, do we, you know, because there was so much value attached to that ring at that moment. Not just financially, but also there was that moment where we got to share it. We got to pick it up, and she looked at it and she loved it. And I was like, blown away. I was so excited, but then I was so nervous to lose it. And that's what the author here is, I think, getting at. The whole book of Hebrews is just explains how, how valuable Christ is, how supreme he is, how he's the fulfillment of all that was promised in the Old Testament. And the danger is not that we will one day just turn out and reject him, not that we would renounce our faith, but the danger is for us that we would slowly and subtly drift away, that would slowly lose our shape and lose something of, immense value now this danger of drifting it's true in many areas of life you think of your health which slowly declines or material things which decay or your car which deteriorates you know we don't just suddenly become unhealthy but our choices over time they compound and we slowly decline into that more than likely your car does not just stop working one day Most likely what happens is it drains, it deteriorates, you know, I don't know how it works, but the water levels go down and the oil levels go down and you regularly have to open up the hood, check it, check your levels, refill it. Otherwise you'll be in it for a rude shock one day. And just like this picture of a boat where you don't notice it drifting at first, it's subtle, it's it's slow, but soon enough, if your anchor is not secure, you'll realise how far you've gone and usually at that point it's too late. And here we recognise that our spiritual lives, our relationship with Jesus has the same danger. I think it's part of our human nature and it's fueled by sin and it's fueled by Satan, but we have this tendency to drift. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in Mere Christianity, he writes, Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to be reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? You know, and I think that's so true. And so this morning is really an opportunity for us to check under the hood, if you like, to Assess the levels of our faith, to examine our heart, to test out these ropes and make sure we are anchored secure in a relationship with Christ. It's an opportunity this morning to ask yourself that question Have I been drifting away? Have you been drifting away? And you know, part of the reason why I ask this is because I feel this, I've felt this within myself. Over the last number of weeks, you know, being back, trying to adjust to lockdown, I've noticed how quickly I can become lazy, distracted, preoccupied with relatively meaningless things like, you know, a few seasons of The Office, you know, and my faith quickly drifts to stagnant, to, you know, neglecting this time with God. But the thing is, it's not just a lockdown thing. You know, I was away for three months, you know. It's in the Northern Territory, you know, in the promised land of no restrictions and freedom. And guess what? I was still very preoccupied. I was busy. There was people to see. There was things to do, memories to make, adventures to be had. And how quickly I would realize that I had neglected my faith. I had drifted away in that time and time again i see it in myself i see it in others around me we have a tendency to drift and the reality is it's not a matter of our lives or the restrictions we are under it is not you know i think it's an issue with our hearts as john calvin says you know the human heart is an idol factory and it just keeps pumping out these idols different things which take the place of god which distract us which preoccupy us we get busy we get rushed and we Drift away from our true calling and purpose to know Jesus, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. John Ortberg puts it this way, he says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. you know and that begins to hit me because i look at my life and i go you know what maybe i've settled for this mediocre version of faith where i've just become content with you know reading my bible a couple times a week or just you know talking and encouraging christians just on a sunday because that's when the zoom is scheduled or just connecting with god at the times where it feels convenient, where it feels good and exciting, but actually missing that daily connection with Jesus. Maybe we actually need to slow down this morning and have a good look to see if we are drifting away, to see if we have settled or become distracted or preoccupied by the things around us. Like there is a subtle danger beneath the surface of our lives. And it is a sinful current that will cause us to drift away from God as we make idols out of everything else in our lives. Whether they're good things, whether they're bad things. They were all meant to point us to God. We're meant to praise God for the good things. We're meant to pray to God about the bad things. Like They're all meant to point to Him and yet we make idols out of them. We focus on them more than God Himself. So we desperately need God to intervene and we're going to look at that a moment. We're going to look at how God brings us back, how he saves us and he changes us. But for now, it's just a moment for you to assess your heart. Are you drifting? Have you settled? Are you preoccupied by something that is not Jesus? I know today that today is a chance to turn back, to come back to the heart of it all. Get back to this relationship with jesus but know that there is a danger of drifting in our lives in our worlds in our hearts so that's the first thing the danger of drifting i guess the question is then what, is, what are we drifting away from you know as the verse says lest we drift away from it and so you've got to ask what is what's the it And well, the start of the verse says, therefore we pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So what we have heard is the message of Jesus. It's the good news. And it links back to the start of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 1, where it says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's what we've heard. We've heard the revelation of Jesus. He has spoken to us, by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world he that is jesus is the radiance of the glory of god in the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power and after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs and then the chapter goes on and there's a bunch of scriptures that are quoted to argue that last point that Jesus is more excellent than angels and then we get to verse one of chapter two therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard Jesus is far greater than anything else he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. His name is more excellent than the angels. He upholds the universe by his power. He, he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. He is the creator of all things. He's the heir of all things. This is who Jesus is, and he's been revealed to us. And that is something that we need to hold on to. That is something that we need to keep remembering. That is something we need to keep paying attention to being aware that there is a danger of drifting away from it like jesus is is wonderful and and the thing is it's not just a concept you know you read through hebrews and it's not just this idea or this intellectual pursuit or this good moral guide or anything like that like jesus is a person and we're invited to know him and that's Really, the second point that I want to focus on this morning is knowing Jesus. Knowing Him. Not just knowing about Him, but actually knowing Him. You see, that was the point of all of it. This is why Jesus came and He lived and He died and He rose again, is so that we could be in this relationship with Him. Where we could glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. This is how Peter puts it in his letter, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. The unrighteous died for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus suffered. The righteous one died for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, that we might be in this relationship with him. Do not drift away from that. That is the heart of it. That is the life-changing message that we would know God, that would be in relationship with Him. In fact, that's what Jesus says in John 17. That's, That's what eternal life is. It's knowing God. It's not having certain things. It's not being free to do whatever we want. It is knowing God, knowing Jesus. That is eternal life. And it's available to start here and now. A relationship with God and I've been wrestling with over the last couple of weeks you know just trying to put words to what does that look like what does that mean here's some of the words that I've been throwing around a relationship with God is about having an active everyday connection with Jesus it's about having an awareness of him it's about being present to his presence an everyday active connection, an awareness of Him. You know, as we read our Bibles, as we pray, that we're actually aware of what's going on. We're, we're looking to be present to His presence. Now, of course, there are seasons where that looks different. You know, there are times when God feels extremely close and there are times when God feels extremely distant. But the truth of His Word is that He is always there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so we're called to be in this everyday relationship with him, regardless of how it feels. Do you know, I had a couple of amazing months with Jo, and she was literally, she was right there. I could talk to her face to face, and we had an amazing time, and it felt great. And now there are 4,000 kilometres between us and a very poor uh, FaceTime connection. And it doesn't feel super exciting. It doesn't feel like you know, this joyous adventure that, but we're still in a relationship and we're still called to grow in our love and to, you know, be aware of one another and to connect as best we can. And, you know, if I just leave that, you know, to let's just chat once a week, well, it's going to die off pretty quick. The truth is, like Jesus calls us to this relationship and the experience may change, but the purpose does not each and every day we are called to glorify him and to enjoy him forever to be aware of his presence whether we feel it or not to look to connect with him daily there's no greater pursuit in our lives than this you know our relationship with him that that is our eternal focus that's what's going to happen forever in heaven and if that's our eternal focus then we need to try to make that our earthly focus as well So as we pray, as we read God's word, as we rest and enjoy Sabbath, as we go on mission and do good deeds, as we you know, gather for services or life groups, as we eat meals with our families, as we listen to sermon after sermon, as we sing, as we worship, as we experience spiritual gifts or prophetic words, as we give our money, as we spend our time with God, like all of that is meant to be done in relationship with Him. We were meant to connect with God as we do those things. Which sounds like super simple, but I just know that I have a tendency to drift away from that. I have a tendency to just read God's Word and just skim over it. To just find my psalm for the day, have a read through, tick it off and move on to the next thing. That I can pray and I can get so distracted in my thoughts that I actually forget what's going on. And that's the thing where... We're called to be present to his presence, to be aware of him, to connect with him as we do all those things. And see, this is the great truth of the Christian faith. Like this is the wonderful mystery that we are invited into, that we we get to be in a relationship with Christ. This is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion and worldview, that we get to be in relationship. The creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, the the eternal king, he invites us in. He's a personal God. He comes to earth and he put on flesh. He lived and he died and he rose again so that he might bring us to God. Like this is the good news that we get to be in a relationship with him. And it's not dependent on your works, but it's dependent on his grace. And that is true for our salvation But it's also true for our sanctification. We are saved by grace, but then we can... It doesn't change from there. It's not like you're saved by grace and then God says, okay, you just do it all yourself from here on in and I'll step in from time to time. No, we are changed. We are transformed and we are in a relationship with God the same way that we are saved. It's by His grace and by His power. He died so that He might bring us to God. Not that we might you know walk the journey ourselves but he might bring us there and so if you find yourself drifting this morning don't try to swim to safety don't try and get to the shore yourself instead reach out your hand to our savior call on him and in a relationship with him head back to shore get back to the heart of it all as soon as we try to do any of this in our own strength we miss the whole point. So turn to Him, know His grace, and walk with Him each and every day. So this verse, Hebrews 2 verse 1, we've sort of tackled it back to front. We've looked at the danger of drifting. We've looked at the therefore, the reason why, the, the valuable thing that we look to hold on to. And last, we're going to look at the start of the verse, I guess, in a way, the call to action. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So this is the third point, paying much closer attention to what we have heard. You see, for the Hebrews, for the people that this was originally written to, there were different threats around, and I mentioned that before. And the same is true for us here today. You know, whether it's our sin, whether it's our world, whether it's the devil, the enemy, Satan, there is a battle for our soul. And just thinking about even just our world you know, for a moment, you know, our Western society, it's a, it's a secular society and it is intensely proselytizing us. Our world is out to shape us, whether it's through the media or through, you know, The internet or all these different things like our world is telling us that there is no God. That truth is relative, that the material world is all that matters, that you are free to just enjoy your life and do what you want. And we see many drifting away with that current. Even within the church, you know, there are distortions of the gospel. There are false teachings. There are people who just say you can be healthy and wealthy and God will give you what you want. And we see many drifting away with that also, seeking to have Jesus plus something. And so here the author, and I think God is saying to us, pay much closer attention to what you've heard. Pay much closer attention to the message of Jesus, to the gospel, to the good news. See, this is why our practices actually matter. This is why our theology matters. This is why we need you know, a trellis for the vine or while we need to stay connected to God's word or to pray or to gather as Christians to encourage one another. We need all these things to pay close attention to what we believe, to what we have heard. Once again, that C.S. Lewis quote that we heard at the start, you know, says, we have to continually be reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed, continually reminded of what we believe, to feed our souls, to feed our minds, to remember and to pay closer attention to what we have heard. Now there are plenty of ways that we can do this, plenty of ways that we can pay much closer attention to what we've heard. But I want to suggest two things that we can apply essentially to a whole bunch of different practices two things that I think we can do, regardless of our circumstances or our situation. Whether you're reading the word, whether you're praying, whether you're joining with others, listening to a sermon, whatever it may be, two things that we can do. One, we can meditate. Two, we can encourage. So firstly, to meditate. This is the inward practice. Now, biblical meditation is very different to the world's meditation. And if the word, is a bit of a hang-up, just exchange it for slowdown. That's essentially what we're called to do. All throughout the Bible, we see it particularly in the Psalms, there's a call to meditate upon God's Word, to chew upon the truth, to take time to abide in Him. It's a, it's a practice of slowing down. You know, just think about it. In your Bible reading, in your prayer, As you listen to the service and engage with it to actually slow down and let the truth sink in. You know, I heard a thing from John Piper this week who, you know, saying, How do I, how do how do people get better at reading their Bibles? He just said, as you read a chapter or whatever it is, just write out a verse or a passage. Literally write it out on a piece of paper. Even if all it does is just slow you down enough to actually take the words in. Not to just rush over it. This is what J.I. Packer says about meditation in knowing God. He says, Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. Calling to mind, thinking over, dwelling on. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. Its purpose is to clear one's mental and spiritual vision of God and to let his truth make its full and proper impact on one's mind and heart. To let his truth make its full and proper impact. You know, just think about the amount of input that we get from our world and think about how quickly we are to drift, how quickly we are to move on from our life group discussion or move on from the passage we've read in Scripture. Or, you know, We don't give it time to sink in. We need to slow down. We need to remember, to call to mind, to think it over, to dwell on it. All in this communion and relationship with God, that His Spirit would allow the truth to sink in. So I want to encourage you this this morning, as you go through this week, as you carve out time for the word or for prayer or for talking with your life group or giving someone a call, whatever it may be, that you would slow down. Don't rush those moments. Be aware of God's presence and connect with Him. Learn to be present, learn to listen and learn to communicate. The second thing I want to encourage is that you would encourage. This is, I guess, the outward practice. You see, this is all not... A solo pursuit. We are called to do this together. You know, in John Piper's sermon on, on Hebrews 3, he says, perseverance in faith is a relational project. If we are to persevere in faith, it is a relational project. And Hebrews 3, it says this, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. You know, that verse says that our responsibility is not just for ourselves. It says, let there be none among you with an evil and unbelieving heart. Like, if we see someone else drifting, if we see someone else falling away, it's actually our responsibility to step in and to step up and to encourage and to exhort that person. Let there be none among us that fall away, that drift away. So I want to encourage you to encourage, to exhort. What does that mean? Well, John Piper really simply says, to say things to keep each other believing. To say things to keep each other believing. And here's the thing, it doesn't need to be groundbreaking to be encouraging. You know, if you're reading the Word and you're meditating upon it and you draw something out of it, just share that with someone. Send it in a text. Give someone a call and say, Look, I was reading this this morning. I hope it encourages you. Do you know, if you find yourself praying and someone's on your heart and you're praying for them, just send them a text saying, Hey, think of you praying for you. It doesn't need to be groundbreaking to be encouraging, but this verse calls us for it to be regular, for it to be every day. Not just occasionally, but every day, encouraging one another, saying things to keep each other believing. Seriously, like, just put this into action today. Who are you going to encourage today? Make a list, have a pray about it, ask God who can I encourage, and just encourage them. Give them a call, send them a text, you know, set up a Zoom meeting for this week, or you know, whatever it looks like, write a letter, an email, a card. Whatever it looks like for you, encourage someone today. Because the reality is the stakes are high. You know, in verse 3 of our chapter, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know, this message is, is great and it's far too valuable to lose. And in fact, there's eternal punishment for those who reject and who fall away. And our world is subtly... Tempting us and pushing us in this direction to drift and to neglect. And so we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. To the good news, to the person of Jesus. But the beauty of it all is that though the stakes are high, our Saviour is higher. You know, I'd encourage you to read through Hebrews this week. Like It just points to how Jesus is... You know, he's greater than Moses and he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He is a new and better covenant. He is a new and better high priest. He is, you know, fulfilled the sacrificial system and he is far greater, far supreme. And you get to the end of it. And in Hebrews 13, we get this benediction and this prayer that I'll wrap up with. It says this, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may that God equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The reality is, you may drift from time to time. You may fail to pay close attention but the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus holds you safe. He is the great shepherd of his sheep. And he paid the price and he is committed to this eternal covenant. And as that verse says, he will equip you. He will work in you that which is pleasing to his will. So that he may be glorified now and forever. So we're actually going to take some time now to listen to a song. And Carol and Chris and Shana are... We're actually just going to replay the song that they sang before, this song, Lean Back. I want to encourage you just to take this opportunity just to do that, to lean back, to connect with God. Maybe you can assess your heart and see if you have been drifting. Maybe you can just pray and ask God to draw you back in, that you can ask God to reveal himself and to Recommit to this relationship with him. Maybe it's an opportunity for you just to meditate on the truth of these words. Or to pray about who you might encourage. But take this opportunity just to slow down for a moment. To connect with God. And hear these words. And may they be our prayer, may they be our song. Today and for this week. It says this, I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Breathe deep and know that he is good. He is a love like